This is the Ed Milet Show. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. I have my dear friend here today. He's first person in the history of the show to come on three times. So that says something right out of the gate. And let me tell you why. He's brilliant. And I enjoy my time with him so much, and I know all of you do as well. If you're new to the show, today will be something that you're going to want to share with as many people as you possibly can that you love and care about. My guest is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Difficult guy to describe. I guess I would say he is probably the best guy on the planet that sort of looks at the potential of the human experience and the combination of sort of brain and heart coherence, epigenetics, neuroscience, the combination of all these different elements in one person. And he delivers it in a way that you can understand it. He's the smartest guy in the room, but never feels the need to let you know that. So he's back to impart some of his wisdom on us today. Joe, thank you for being back here. I'm so happy to be with you, Ed. Happy to see you too. Love our time together. So there's a lot we're going to cover today. Okay. What are you working on right now, though, that you're most excited about? Because when we were getting ready to do this, you're like, I am probably more excited right now than I ever have been in my life. So let's start there. Yeah. What's happened in the last two years, uh, we run these uh, week-long events, mm-hmm. and, and it's a full immersion. Uh, and just before COVID, we had um, a group of scientists from the University of California, San Diego, come and study some of the phenomenological things that have been happening in people's biology, because we have had numerous testimonies of some of the most incredible things that that, I, that if you asked me three years ago when I was first on your show, did I, would we ever see anything like this? Or do you think you'd see anything like this? I'd, I'd probably say maybe once in my lifetime I'd be super happy. So blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people in wheelchairs that uh, from strokes with paralysis walking again. I mean, these are profound upgrades biologically. I think if you teach people the what and the why, then the how gets easier because, because it becomes practical. Mm-hmm. And when people understand the what and the why, um, they assign meaning to what they're doing and they switch on their prefrontal cortex. That, that executive function in the brain actually dampens down the circuits that has nothing to do with anything else but that single-minded thought, right? So, so when you understand the what and the why and there's nothing left to conjecture, to superstition, to dogma, to spirituality, that science is the contemporary language that we use to demystify the mystical. So when that person stands on the stage and they're telling their story and they're the example of truth, they're, they're speaking truth, right. right? So they've actually applied those principles that were once philosophical, theoretical, mm-hmm. um, that was just basically knowledge. And the application, the personalization, the demonstration created an experience. Experience is really what changes us because it enriches the circuitry in the brain, but the end product of an experience is an emotion, right? And mm-hmm. emotion is what teaches our body chemically to understand what our mind intellectually understood. I look out in the audience and, and people are leaning in. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're looking at truth. They're looking at an example of truth. That is the four-minute mile. Yeah. That's somebody who broke through a level of consciousness or unconsciousness yes. that says that we can heal by thought alone. So what is, the, what is the science behind that? So when we started bringing in reputable scientists, people that are well-published, that, mm-hmm. that spend their life studying uh, microbiology and cellular function and epigenetics and mm-hmm. and uh, brainwave function and and and, uh, and and all these other different elements, uh, uh, thousands of metabolites uh, on a cellular level that could be secreted. We're looking very specifically when we when we did these studies. So we started studying everything. 
And we started looking at brains and we started looking at hearts. And then we started noticing that people would have these very, very, very transcendental moments where there was a significant arousal that took place in their brain. Mm -hmm. And that arousal, which is typically based in fear, Mm -hmm. uh, in anger or aggression or in pain, that's a survival response, this arousal was was ecstasy. This arousal was bliss. So the amount of energy in those people's brains during that moment of, of uh, and the only way that I could describe it is connection, mm-hmm. that moment uh, produced such a level of energy in the brain that it was hundreds of times normal. And this is being measured. You're we're, doing the brain scan. We're right? measuring it in real time. Right, exactly. And then when we see these very, very high degrees of energy in the brain at the same time, we're seeing a high level of order. Now, not just a little order, not a lot of order, like a supernatural amount of order. When and, you say order, Joe, do you mean the, the coherence between the brain and the heart? Or what do you mean by order when you say that? Okay, so, so um, if you're late for an appointment, mm-hmm. you got to pick your kid up, mm-hmm. there's 10 texts you have to answer, and something went wrong at the office, the arousal of the stress hormones uh, mm-hmm. causes us to move into that primitive nervous system of survival. Mm-hmm. And when we're in stress, we're trying to control, we're trying to predict, we're trying to organize our life because th- that unknown is, uh, oh, something can go wrong, it's unpredictable. So we shift our attention to one person, to another meeting, to another place we have to go, another time, another thing we have to do, and every single one of those elements has a neurological network in our brain because you've experienced your wife, you've experienced your coworker, you experience your, you know, your pain in your back, your cell phone, whatever. You have a relationship with everything physical or material. And it's mapped neurologically in the brain. In fact, the, neo- the neocortex is really a record of the past, right? So the arousal of those stress hormones causes us to shift our attention to all of these different elements and we activate those circuits. And like a lightning storm in the clouds, the brain starts firing very incoherently. And when the brain is incoherent, we're incoherent. Mm-hmm. When the brain isn't working right, we're not working right. Okay. At the same exact time, you're sitting in traffic. You can't really run. There's nowhere to run. You can't really fight. There's mm-hmm. no one to fight. And, uh, you know, you can't really hide. And so the arousal of this primitive nervous system causes the heart, its rate to increase and a respiratory rate to increase mm-hmm. because... That was the mechanism of survival. If you're being chased by T-Rex, you better uh, increase your heart rate and your respiratory rate. So now the heart rate and the respiratory rate are increasing, but you're not running, fighting, and hiding. There's a physiological change in your body for emergency. And you're taking all this vital energy that you would use for growth and repair for long-term building projects, and you're tapping all the body's resources, and you're turning it and converting it into chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. So now the heart is racing, mm-hmm. but you're not using that energy, so it's pumping against a closed system, and it causes the heart to start firing very incoherently, and that's when you stop trusting. That's when you stop loving. That's when you stop communing. That's when you stop cooperating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you stop really creating or thinking about possibilities. It's not a time to learn, not a time to go within. And so people spend the majority of their time living in the state. And in that aroused state, those chemicals heighten our senses. Mm-hmm. And we narrow our focus on the material world because that's where the danger is. If something's behind the big rock and you hear it moving and it's dark at night mm-hmm. and you're walking, you're going to freeze 
mm-hmm. and you're going to narrow your focus, and the arousal is going to heighten your senses. Mm-hmm. And that kind of narrow focus becomes habituated when people live mm-hmm. in constant stress. Now, we talked about this one on one of the yeah. shows we were on, and you can turn on that response just by thinking about your problems. Mm-hmm. So now your your the arousal of those chemicals becomes almost like an addiction. You actually it's the familiar, and you need the you mm-hmm. need the familiar stimulation mm-hmm. to reaffirm that mm-hmm. that 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 emotional state, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how we feel alive. So we thought, wow, what if we teach people how to go from that narrow focus to broadening their focus and opening their focus and focusing on nothing material or physical. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, by sensing space, by sensing nothing, opening and broadening their focus, those different compartments of the brain that were firing out of order incoherently started to synchronize. Got it. Now, what sinks in the brain links in the brain. And all of a sudden, the person starts to feel more like themselves. There's an integration. So we started noticing these elegant states where the there was global coherence. In other words, we were measuring many compartments of the brain simultaneously. And when waves are working in order, when they're Mm -hmm. working in coherence, then the whole entire brain is working like a symphony. And you start feeling whole and you start feeling clear and you can think, you're coherent, you can have a vision or an intention of the future. So when we were doing these studies, we, we noticed that if we could teach people how to dial down mm-hmm. their thinking neocortex, their analytical mind, and by sensing space, if you're sensing, you're not thinking or analyzing, you're sensing, and you start slowing your brainwaves from that high beta brainwave state when you're in survival into these lower beta brainwave states and ultimately into yeah. alpha. Okay. Alpha. Now, okay. alpha is the creative state. Mm -hmm. Alpha is the imaginary state. That's when the voice in your head that's talking to you all the time, that default mode kind of shuts off, and your brain starts to see in images and pictures. You You start imagining. It's an imaginary state. It's a creative state. So we use that state in the state of creation, but then we took it a little further. What if we could teach a person to slow their brainwaves down even more into theta? And in theta, you're in a hypnotic state. And hypnotic states cause you to be very suggestible to information. Mm. And suggestibility is your ability to accept, believe, and surrender to information as the truth without ever analyzing it. And that's what exactly programs the subconscious mind. The applications for this, everybody listening to this, is your whole creative state changes when you're in this, in this state as well. Your ability to create. You even make the case that their personality changes right? Yeah. That there's a personality change. Yeah. And so I want you to address that because you have this unbelievable saying that you say, your personal reality is dictated by your personality, right? Exactly. And so just step back into that just for a second, okay. the application of it in creativity for people. And then is it a temporary change? Okay. Thank you for asking the question because we also discovered that you didn't have to have those transcendental moments. Okay. All you had to do is work on regulating your internal state every day. And the novice meditators, people who just came to an event that really okay. had no experience in meditation but immersed themselves for seven days, okay. our data suggests at the end of seven days, their body completely looks like they're in a different life a completely different environment. Mm. The science is pointing the finger at there's strong environmental changes going on in the person's biology, but they're in a ballroom. Right. There's not a lot of things happening in a ballroom, but Mm -hmm. so then how does that happen? Okay, so 
the application then becomes important for everybody because when we started looking at advanced meditators that didn't have those transcendental states, but they practiced meditation every day, there was a dosing effect. In other words, the more they self-regulated, the more they were resistant to the things in their environment. Well, let's think about that. If I say to you, Ed, why are you upset today? And you say, I'm upset because of the staff member. I'm upset because of what I heard on the news. Mm-hmm. There was traffic. I was late. What you're really saying is my environment, some person, some condition, something in my outer world is actually having control over the way I feel and the way I think. Right. And so that's a subconscious program called victimization. Anything that controls you, the way you feel and the way you think, you're victim to. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is is that the majority of times our response to the environment weakens the organism. Okay. That, that means that your fear, your anger, your aggression, your weakens you weakens the organism, yep, you, yep, you. you. So, now, so now the environment is actually causing the organism through the stress hormones and the long-term effects mm-hmm. to really start down-regulating systems in the body, right? Mm-hmm. So then, incredible. So as long as you react to your environment and the response is causing you to become weakened, you're victim to your environment. Well, what makes sense then, would you be more susceptible to anything in your environment because you're a victim to it? But the process of change is, is the, the difficulty is, is that 90% of the thoughts you think are the same thoughts you, think, you thought the day before. Nerve cells that fire together, wire together. Keep firing the same thoughts, keep making the same choices, keep doing the same things, keep recreating the same experiences that stamp the same networks of neurons into the same patterns, all for the familiar feeling called you. And do that enough times in your biology, your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your hormones, your gene expression stays the same because you're the same. Mm. Okay, so then... Instead of sitting down, trying to meditate for 10 minutes and say, I then believe in the thought I can't meditate or mm-hmm. I don't have enough time or I'm a really important person or I got too many, too many emails to answer or it's garbage day or it's my mother's fault, it's my ex's fault. I want to complain. I want to blame. I want to make excuses. I want to lay down. My bladder's full. I like this. What am I doing wrong? Uh, they're agitated, impatient. That's, <laughs> that's the personality that has been hardwired and conditioned emotionally into the past that's resisting the unknown. Mm-hmm. It would rather cling to suffering than take a chance in possibilities. So our events, we say, okay, here's the knowledge, and I can say now with a great degree of certainty more than ever mm-hmm. that if you actually do this and you stretch yourself a little bit further than where you would normally go at home, your brain will change. Mm-hmm. And if you teach people how to do this, over and over again, and no different than training an animal. Mm-hmm. The body is the animal. Are you training the body that you're in charge? Is you're, that what you're, you're doing? telling the body it's no longer the mind, that you're the mind. Yes. And when you do that, those victories add up, and then all of a sudden, there's a liberation of energy. Mm. There goes the guilt. There goes the pain. There goes the whatever. It doesn't matter if it's health. It doesn't matter if it's wealth or success. It doesn't matter if it's a a loving relationship, a change in a career, a mystical experience. Whatever it is, the person all of a sudden starts to relax into the present moment. Now, let's demystify the present moment. People wake up in the morning and they they think about their problems. And those problems are memories that are etched in their brain that are connected to certain people and objects at certain times and places. The moment they wake up in the morning and they start thinking of their problems, they're thinking in the past. 
okay, now every one of those problems has an emotion associated with it. So when they feel unhappy, when they feel bitter, when they feel fearful, now their body's in the past. Thoughts are the language of the brain, feelings are the language of the body. Thought and a feeling, image and emotion, stimulus and response, you're conditioning the body to be the mind of that emotion subconsciously. Now the body is believing it's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Why? Because the body's so objective, it doesn't know the difference between the real-life experience that's creating that emotion and the emotion that person is creating it's by thought so alone. important. The body doesn't know the difference. And so what, what, the environment signals the gene. That's yep. epigenetics. The end product from an experience in the environment is an emotion. Hmm. The person's signaling the same genes in the same way and genes make proteins and proteins are responsible for the structure and function of your body and the expression of proteins is the expression of life and now the person is actually headed for a genetic destiny and when people labor for the present moment and they take their attention off of their body off of all the people in their life all of the objects they own their cell phone their computer their car their house they're no longer identifying with where they're sitting, where they need to be, where they live, where they've lived in the past, where they need to go. And they're not thinking about the f predictable future of the familiar past. They're dissociating from everything physical and material, everything known. That is the exact moment we call getting beyond yourself. Okay? Now, when we're in that place then... It, at the beginning, it's uncomfortable because we're, survival is the unknown. You have better chances of survival and running from the unknown, but that unknown is the perfect place to create from. Mm -hmm. So in the process, no different than any rehab. In our first two days of our event, really people are, they're basically, they're basically rehabbing yeah. from their emotional states and their habits. Yeah. And they're sitting in the presence of that discomfort right mm -hmm. and the discomfort is because the body is leaving the known but 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 the body has been conditioned to be the mind the moment you take it outside of its familiar territory it's going to start telling you ed why don't you quit you know you're not really good at this you know you're more of a physical person you don't really want to do this you're not very this or very that and most people just get up when they do the meditation they believe that thought as if it's true now the question is what's on the other side of that thought can you sit there long enough till that's no longer the thought you accept, believe, and surrender to? Well, then, wow. The what's next on the question: other side of that thought. What is the other? What's on the other side of that mm. familiar emotion? Can I sit and work with my body and settle it down? Stay. Mm. You stay. I'm going to feed you. You're not going to die from this. Mm. Your bladder's not going to explode. You're not going to go crazy. Mm. And you work with catching those thoughts. It's called metacognition. Mm -hmm. If you're in that 95% of programming where you're unconscious, then the first step to change is becoming conscious of your unconscious thoughts. Yeah. So conscious that you would never go unconscious or let that thought slip by you unnoticed. I want to understand. So you're saying the awareness of the thought, being conscious of the thought, has it somehow lose its power over you? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. Mm -hmm. And if you're left alone to yourself, you'll start believing every thought you think. Yeah. And that's the problem. So then the majority of people's thoughts then are based on what they perceive about themselves mm -hmm. from their past or their life, right? Mm -hmm. And if you catch yourself complaining and blaming and making excuses and judging someone else and you say, I want to be a happy person, mm -hmm. well, a happy person would never do that. It would make them unhappy. Mm -hmm. If you notice that you've been feeling guilty for the last 20 years you didn't know it was guilt because it just felt like you and you want to feel joy well if you can't feel joy it should tell us volumes 
about what you've been practicing doing, right? Mm-hmm. So then most people give up because they, they, they don't know that there's anything on the other side of it. Yeah. So then the next question is, what thoughts do you want to fire and wire in your brain? Well, and with attention and with intention, if you keep practicing firing, wiring those thoughts, you start installing hardware. Mm. Do it enough times and it becomes like a software program. And now that's the new voice you program in your head that said, I can do this. I and, believe in myself. And you've created, to an extent, a new personality, which can create a new personal reality. Now, here we go. So yeah. then the next question is, how am I going to behave with my kids today? How am I going to be with my wife? How am I going to be with my partner? How am I going to be at work? How am I going to be on my Zoom calls? How am I going to be by myself? Yeah. Um, how am I going to, what, what, what does greatness look like? What, is, what mm-hmm. would love do today? Now, it turns out that if you close your eyes and you start imagining doing that, if you rehearse how you're going to be in those certain situations... The evidence, without a doubt, shows that your brain will start to look like, through the mental rehearsal of the act, Mm -hmm. that you've already done it. Now you've installed the hardware. Keep doing it. It becomes a software program, and you'll start acting like a happy person. No magic there. If you don't have the circuits, you can't do it. So the rehearsal, then, is actually changing the brain just by thinking differently, the brain looks like the experience has already happened. Now you have hardware to use. Do it enough times, you get good at it. It becomes more automatic. Now here's the hard part. Can I teach my body emotionally what my future will feel like before it happens? Now this is Mm -hmm. really important because Mm -hmm. there's a pandemic going on in the world that has nothing to do with a virus. It has everything to do with people's attention span and learning. People need a rush of dopamine in order to catch their attention or a rush of adrenaline to learn. Mm. And so that they're, they're dependent on their outer environment to regulate their emotional state. Now, this is different now. Mm. Now, I'm going to say to you, get in that beautiful heart of yours, mm. and I want you to feel gratitude for the event before it occurs. Well, I can't feel it because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's the conditioning. That's the hypnosis. So then when you teach purple people how to create heart coherence and self-regulate, then it makes sense then with a coherent brain, they can hold the image of their future. Mm. They can actually then rehearse who they're going to be. They can bring up the emotions of their future. Now, here's the cool part. Awesome. If they can feel their gratitude before their healing, their healing begins. Mm. If they feel their abundance or their worthiness before they have their wealth, it will start generating abundance. Mm. If they start being in love with themselves and being in love with life, they'll create an equal. That's the law. If they're in awe of life or in awe of the moment, they're going to have a mystical experience. If they're empowered, they're going to start stepping towards their success. success. Mm. So then when we wait for the outer world to change our internal state, that's a conditioning process because some people will live in lack and separation their entire life because they're not creating anything. Mm. When this happens, then I'll feel happy. That's the illusion of three-dimensional reality. That's cause and effect, but feeling the emotion ahead of the experience is causing an effect. So the heart, when it's coherent, tends to produce an external magnetic field that's up to three meters wide. Now you've got a Wi-Fi signal. Mm-hmm. Now when you have a coherent brain, the brain could actually lay the information on that signal. And the thought of your wealth or your health can be carried on the frequency of that heart emotion. Emotions are the end product of an experience, right? Epigenetics says that's the environment that signals the gene. gene. If the environment signals the gene and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion, 
that person's signaling genes ahead of the environment. Mm. And now they're biologically believing, behaving, and actually becoming that person. Mm. So if the person sustains that state, and we look at novice meditators that come for a week, mm -hmm. and 90% of them, and, and the metabolites, not just a few, the majority of the metabolites and novice meditators suggest that their body's in a different life. Great. So they, you're transcending your environment. People ask me all the time, why does Joe always go back to the health part of the benefit of this? I'm going to stay in there. And it just dawned on me, because you're a scientist. So the, the external stuff of attracting the relationship you want or the money you want or the emotion that you want is a difficult thing to measure, isn't it? It's a difficult thing to measure. But the, when it becomes a one's health or well-being, it's measurable. Right. So, for example, you say that, and this is how powerful this is. Think about the power of this. Joe's able to tell you that he can actually measure the emotion, the repeated emotion of fear and its impact on the immune system compared to the repeated emotion of gratitude or bliss and its impact on the immune system. Right. So it's actually a measurable, tangible thing. So yes. address that, stay on there. And then the other thing, we keep using this term heart coherence. I know there's a part of my audience going, Okay, what is that? My understanding of heart coherence essentially physically means that your breathing and heart are actually in unison at one point and that you sustain that over a duration of time. Elaborate on that and go for it. Coherence is rhythm. It's yeah. a cadence. Mm -hmm. And when you're in fear or you're in survival and your heart rate increases and your respiratory rate increases your brain waves go up into this aroused state, right? And people spend 70% of their life there. anticipating the worst case scenario that's gonna happen in their life and prepare for the worst. Chronic stress does what? Mm. Causes us to hold our breath, all right? Mm. So we found, you know, in our research and working with the HeartMath Institute and also some of the stuff we've been doing, that if you slow your breathing down, you slow your brain waves down. And if you teach your body to move out of survival, there's only one other thing it wants to do. It wants to create, right? Mm -hmm. So now just imagine a big drum. And now you're so contracted that you can't, you can't hit that drum. And as you learn and teach a person how to convert from that fight-or-flight nervous system to the nervous system of relaxation, the heart actually starts to bloom. Mm -hmm. And when you place your attention on your heart, we have the data. I can say this yeah. emphatically. That when that heart starts to beat in rhythm, it starts to inform the brain mm. that it's time to create. Like taking a big sheet and going like this, a wave of energy goes right to the brain. The brain goes right in the alpha and says, it's safe now to create. Examine other possibilities. You're out of survival, right? Okay. So then as you hit that drum repeatedly, there's a wave of sound that's produced. And the more coherent it is, the more it can carry information, right? Okay. Or if you drop a pebble in the water and you drop another pebble in the water and you drop another pebble in the water, when your heart is coherent, there's a magnetic field, right? Do you think, Joe, that like, I'm just curious, I'm thinking about all the applications of stuff. You know how I'm always the application dude, right? I'm thinking of a guy like, I'm thinking about just a, 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 a person, like I watched that could embody this in some ways. Do you think, do you assume someone like a Tiger Woods or a Brady? I'm thinking like, okay, now I'm an athlete thinking about this. Most athletes, most people going into a boardroom to make a presentation, for example, or to ask somebody out for a date, the more stressful they perceive the environment to be, the more poorly they perform, typically. Yeah. So you can take two golfers who both hit a golf ball the exact same way. As the environment changes and becomes, the perception of the environment becomes more stressful. I'm just, right, you're nodding yes for people that are on audio. 
a guy like a Tiger Woods, when it's the putt to win the Masters and there's 50 billion people watching and it's for legacy, everything's slowing down for him. His heart rate is probably more regulated. He's got more heart coherence at that time, so he's in a creative state, whereas the other person's heart rate is increasing. They're a complete incoherence, and they can't create and function. And incoherence causes you to overanalyze. Got it. And we've discovered this, that if you... If you analyze anything, your life, yourself, within some disturbing emotion, you're going to make your brain worse 100% of the time. In other words, you're thinking in the past and your thoughts are arousing the brain more into that state of survival. Now, that's that's when we overfocus. That's when we overthink, right? So you you have the ability to do whatever you've always done the other way. If you've exactly. conditioned yourself into the state of anxiety or chaos or fear repeatedly, then you create a personality that creates those elements in your life, and then you reinforce it with your experience. Exactly. You can then do the same thing the other way. That's my point. That's yeah, my awesome. point. So then, <laughs> so then the person's having a spontaneous love attack. Mm-hmm. They've done it enough times. Their body's going, "Hey, uh, it's been about uh, two hours uh, yeah. without a little love." Well, let me just. Let me just automatically do that. And so now, when you feel these elevated emotions, mm-hmm. it activates the prosocial networks in the brain. Survival creates the protective networks. Like, I don't trust you. I'm separate. You're different. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm selfish right now. It's all about me. Let's compete. Let's fight. Let's, let's uh, 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 you know, manipulate. Mm-hmm. Let's force it. Let's control it. Let's do matter trying to change matter. That's kind of the program, right? It is. So then... The opposing part of this is that when people start to connect and they start to have these elevated states, then something really unusual happens. The, the, the reality seems to conform in ways that are equal to who they're being. So now the heart is saying to the brain, it's time to create, and now your energy has changed and nothing changes until we change our energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life, right? And so then the idea then is to be able to maintain that modified state of mind and body your entire day. And as I said, get so good at doing it with your eyes closed that you can do with your eyes open. Now, if you can sustain that state for an extended period of time, I don't care what you want, and people have created all kinds of things. I use health as the example Mm -hmm. because it's really relatable. Now, all of a sudden, it's like you're no longer having to go and get it and do something like matter to matter to mm. go get it. And until you arrive at that experience, you're in lack or separation until the experience happens. It's a feeling like, oh, my God. Mm. Well, this is kind of like the opposite. Mm. This is like you're not going anywhere. Everything's coming to you. So the thought tends to have an electrical charge in the quantum field. Mm. It tends to be the directive. It sends the signal out. Mm. And the heart tends to have a magnetic field. It tends to draw the experience to us. Mm. So then if you teach people how to create from the field Mm -hmm. instead of from matter, Mm. they will shorten the distance between the thought of what they want and the experience of having it, Mm. between the cause and the effect. Now, think about three-dimensional reality. Many people can develop the skills to become successful. They can make the right choices. They can study real hard. They can practice. They can get trained. But they're going to follow certain rules of Newtonian physics. It's just going to take time mm-hmm. to get what you want. It's just going to take time and hard work. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You do that for a while, and sooner or later you're going to say, is there another way? Now, this is where it gets exciting. Okay. If it's not matter that's emitting the field, it's the field that's creating matter. If I can change the information in the field, I can change 
the expression in three-dimensional reality. So if you can teach a person to become nobody, no one, no thing, nowhere, in no time, to become pure consciousness mm-hmm. and disconnect and dissociate from everything physical and known in their three-dimensional reality, and we have data to say that people can do this, now all of a sudden, if they become aware that they can actually connect to that field with their awareness and they're not at my lead any longer, they're a consciousness, they're awareness, an infinite vacuum and mm-hmm. in emptiness in space. It'd be, it would be like... The illusion is the virtual reality headset. You're taking the headset off. You can't get the upgrade from inside of it. If you could have a coherent heart and a coherent brain and create from the field instead of from matter, every thought in the quantum field produces a frequency. If you can feel the frequency of that thought and you experience it, you're shortening the distance between the thought of what you want and the experience of it. And you're creating coherent patterns of energy in the field <laughs> that actually changed the hologram in three-dimensional reality. So, so for me personally, I've done a lot of the matter, the matter stuff, got really good at it, and then I just said there's got to be another way. Okay. So demystify the process. I don't care what you want. I don't care if it's a trip somewhere or a new life or a new car or whatever. People who do this, what do you think they feel when they see that first synchronicity? You think they're going to be like, oh, pfft. I don't want to meditate tomorrow. I'm going to do this. Are you kidding? The synchronicity happens in the energy. The surprise wakes the person up and they go, whatever I'm doing inside of me is producing some effect outside of me. Every, I better pay attention to what I'm doing and keep doing it. And, and every human being's had some glimpse of this at least some point in their life. The point is that this can be happening on a regular basis for you. The real irony of all of this is this idea of changing from matter to matter and then moving into a higher space where it's energy to matter. The truth is, is that when you get there, if we're going a little bit deeper, is that the very thing that you think you want to create in matter you don't really need to create it. No, matter. because because listen, when you get <laughs> right. to when you start connecting to those greater frequencies, you're moving closer to source. source. And and yeah. what is source? Yeah. Pure love. What is it? Oneness, wholeness, whatever you want to call that. It's right there you, the whole you, time. It's inevitable. It's mm-hmm. like it's the most familiar, unfamiliar feeling you'll mm-hmm. ever have. And we came from that place, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. We came from there. And so you're in an experiment called mm-hmm. three dimensional reality, consciousness and the never ending process of self-discovery right Mm -hmm. and so now the person who has the synchronicity who has the coincidence they're there this is what i love about our community more than anything else they do the work Mm -hmm. they're not philosophers Mm -hmm. they're not theologians they're not Mm -hmm. academic they are out of the bleachers and they're on the playing field every day they're creating and and the person who heals from their disease they're not saying why am i not healed they're saying, what is it about me that I still have to change that will create the healing? This is a different experiment now. Yeah. And so now we had a guy that came in a wheelchair at an event we did recently. He came in that throne. He walked from, he had ALS. He walked from the back of the room mm. all the way to the stage, walked up the stairs out of that wheelchair on his own. Mm. I asked him, he said, I just... I just have to work on staying in this emotional state because the longer I stay there, the more I'm noticing that my body's responding. He's not saying, why am I, why am I not healed? Mm-hmm. He understands that the only way he can actually heal is to change him, right? Mm-hmm. And so now the, it becomes very practical, right? right. It becomes very don't, practical. Don't you think it's important, that practical part of it? I think sometimes people think they're disqualified if they can't explain something they do well. I'm going to tell you one of the interesting things on the show. Many of the people that do things exceptionally well that have been on my show, athletes or entertainers, 
really don't do a very good job of explaining it. Yeah. They, they embody it. And I think sometimes someone listens to somebody like you who can explain this and think that they're disqualified from becoming good if they can't explain how yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. But the truth is, it's a repeated experience that becomes familiar for them without the need to express how right. they're doing it. Right, right. Again, for me... Right. This uh, is your this is your life is teaching people to do this and giving them the tools. But for the vast majority of people, it's it's creating the experience that look, they have. Everybody, everybody has done this at least once in their life. Exactly. What did they do? They sat down and they said, "What would it be like to be happy? What would it be like to be mm-hmm. healthy? What would it be like to have a new life? What would it be mm-hmm. like to be in love?" And they asked the question instead of getting on their cell phone and texting someone or posting. They actually sat there mm-hmm. and they actually said, "Let me answer the." question yeah let me get uncomfortable here and what is it that i truly want what would would i have to change about myself to be healthy to be happy Mm. to be well successful what are my bad habits Mm. they get busy writing down all the 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 choices they want to make all the things they want to do they start writing down all their goals all their experiences and every goal experience they write down in their future there's an emotion they get inspired they get Mm -hmm. optimistic they get grateful they get energized and those emotions fuel more thoughts and now they're 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 actually changing their biology biology and then they do something really 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 important they start looking at the thoughts that they no longer want to think. They write them down. I can't. It's too hard. I'll start tomorrow. I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm doing... uh, they start looking at the choices they're going to have to stop making. And when they, they understand when they stop making those choices, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's the hardest part about change. They start thinking about the things they have to stop doing. I got to get off the couch. I got to stop watching this. I got to stop overreading, whatever it is. And then we've all done this. And there comes a moment where you start noticing that, like, you start saying, hey, I, I believe this is, this is actually going to happen, right? Yeah. And that's when you take the foot off the gas pedal and you start really realizing, wow, I was the resource of actually making this happen. And I changed. Yeah. I changed in the process. So the, the, the exciting part about it, you talk to people who created wealth, you talk to people who created relationships, that are, you talk to people who have created health, they'll tell you my disease my poverty was my greatest teacher. My yeah. past was my greatest teacher. They look back at their past, and now there's no longer an emotion associated with it. The memory without the emotional charge is wisdom. Now you get to go to the future. You get to create whatever you, you're free-willed. Mm. You, you could be anybody you want to be in the process, right? The memory without the emotional charge, this is, that's how you erase its impact on you from the past. See, I want to ask you something about that. I've always wanted to ask you this. And by the way, Joe and I, We've flown on my plane together. There's all these times I wanted to ask you this question. And I wonder because I have created some things in matter in the material world that maybe now I'm at this place where it's dawned on me all along. My fear is that I think sometimes if I think the way I'm about to ask you about, maybe I wouldn't have created any of the material things, mm-hmm. which I know is flawed thinking. And it's this. It's that this idea that you can get to this heighted, you know, gamma wave brave, uh, brain state and you're just fully intentional, right? Having an intention at that time. We have a culture that's been taught for years and years and years to get really clear intention about the physical matter things we want. I want a million dollars in the bank. I want a private jet. I want to weigh 150 pounds. But the truth is we really don't want those things. We want, we want the emotion we think those things will give us. Wouldn't it be smarter... For people to get, and very few people ever do, to get clear about the emotions they wish to experience on a regular basis and not the physical matter things. 
Well, <laughs> that's that's exactly the point. <laughs> that's exactly the point. And and look, people can create all kinds of wealth, and mm-hmm. they can create all kinds of abundance. They can have the cars, the homes, and everything. Mm-hmm. But if they can't be present right. to enjoy them, I've sat with billionaires, and they've looked me in the eye and said, "We're all miserable. Same here. We're all miserable." Mm-hmm. And, and 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 so then, at what point do you have to wait? Uh, to change does it have to be that lowest point mm. or 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 can you learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration instead mm. of instead of pain and suffering and that that becomes the art right mm. so then to change then is, is to be greater than the habituations the drives and the emotions that have been conditioned in the body to change is to be greater than the conditions in our environment that every person every object everything in our life has a neurological network associated with them. They're knowns because we've experienced them and we have an emotion associated with them. So you, if you're not being defined by a vision of the future, mm. you're left with the memories of the past and you see your ex and you're going to see your ex through the memory of your past neurologically and it's going to elicit an emotional response. And you're thinking and feeling equal to your environment. Your life's not going to change. So then you, the next question is, how could I overcome that condition that with my ex, can I actually forgive? Could I actually open my heart? Can I actually, the reason we do this is because the stronger the emotion we feel towards someone or something in our life, the more we pay attention to them. Yeah. And where we place our attention is where we place our energy. And yeah. so then we're giving our power away to that person or circumstance. That's vital life force you could use to change. The person who's sitting in the meditation and they want to quit, this is, they're thinking they're doing their meditation wrong. I want to tell you, you're doing it right. Mm. That's the defining moment, right? And you lower the volume to that emotion, I guarantee you, you'll take your attention off that person. Mm. And sooner or later, when the body finally settles down and you get beyond it, you're going to take your power back. And that's <sighs> building your own electromagnetic field. Now you have energy to heal. Now you have energy to create. We've measured this. Now you have energy for, for creation, right? So... You see this incredible dance that goes on now because we've built the technology between the heart and the brain. So then when the brain and the heart are coherent, mm-hmm. my goodness, mm-hmm. there's a feeling where you can call it the zone or whatever you want to call it, yep. where just you feel like you have enough time mm-hmm. to get things done and no person, no circumstance is going to break you from your state, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that zone or whatever you want to call that is actually teachable. So do you have to reach gamma to do that? No. Okay. We're just knowing that the people that hit gamma they had an instantaneous biological upgrade. There's the eczema, mm-hmm. 37 years of eczema. The next day, it's gone. Back to your original question. We have great evidence in testimony, and we have great evidence in our scientific studies, mm-hmm. and evidence is the loudest voice, and you can't tell me you're too old to do this. You can't tell me you're too sick to do this. I've seen people with 50 brain tumors Mm. that were emaciated, couldn't walk, couldn't speak on the stage, talking in front of an audience. Can't tell me you're too sick to do this. Now, you, th- you examine that person, you know, who comes to the event, and there's no hope. You know, they, mm. you have three months to live, you have six months to live, and they're not accepting that or believing that or surrendering to that. They're actually saying there's got to be some other way. There's got to be some other way. If I created this, is it possible that I, that, that I can uncreate it? So then the person who's, who's on the stage telling that story, and, and, and it, it may have taken them 18 months, but they never missed a day. Why is that essential? Because there were days where they felt so bad 
in their body so sick that they didn't feel like doing their meditation, but they did it anyway. Mm. There were days they had so much doubt because their condition was actually worsening mm. and they could have succumbed to their doubt, but they, they did their meditation anyway. There, there were days that they were in such an incredible fear because the doctor told them it was three months and it would be over and it was the three-month period. And they had every reason to not do their meditation, but they did it anyway. They could have said, I don't have enough time. I have kids. I, I got schedules. They found time to do it. And it was the overcoming, the overcoming, the overcoming that was the becoming process. Overcoming, becoming. And, and when they became that person, what is the side effect of your own personal transformation. For example, most people, they, when they have a physical health condition, the moment they notice there's a change, like in pain, in something, in their sleep, you know, whatever it is, there's some change, they, they make the connection right away, and that's when it's the dog on the bone. Now they're, they're doing it twice a day, not because they have to, because that's their medicine. And, and I have sat with the, the, the scientists that have come to our events I asked them to participate in a week-long event. And the one guy who's looking at the virus outside the cell, I said to him, one, well, how is this going to change? Mm-hmm. How is this going to change the way you do research? He said, this is, this is my medicine. This I see, I've seen what it does. And people say, oh, are you saying meditation actually can cause your body to be resistant to viruses? I said, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. The data is saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, just, this is not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The data is actually saying that. So what a great time in history to be alive because you could be young. We have people that are eight years old, nine years old. We have uh, usually about between 70 and 100 kids that come to our event that are under the age of 25 and under. We have kids that are seven, eight, nine years old that participate all the way. I got down on my knees with one of, those, one of these kids and we were, we were doing a, um, a specific meditation and I leaned over and I said to him, how was that? He said, that felt really good. Mm-hmm. And why do I want that to be a normal feeling for him? Because I want to know who he's going to be. Yeah. yeah, we're changing his you're changing his gene expression at that age, right? And yeah. so, so, so it's an amazing time. This is a time in history where it's not enough to know. This is a time in history to know how. So my interest, to answer your question, is to demystify the process. Yep. No different than learning how to hit a golf ball. Everybody that has a skill that can do anything really well has done the exact same thing that I'm talking Thank about. You. There's nothing different about it. Yeah, but you're giving the you're demystifying by giving us the recipe and the formula and using science to validate it really for the first time. That's really the difference. Yeah, and but 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 really don't believe me. Right. Don't don't believe me. Go out and experiment with it. Yeah. Go out and experiment. See if I change my energy, will my life change? Would, would that be your first recommendation? Because as we wrap things up here a little bit, would you recommend they just begin to regulate their breathing? Start with meditating. What would your you yeah know, r- first so, recommendation be? I'm listening yeah. to this. You go. I want to change. I still want to change matter in my life. I want to create the body. I nothing, want to create the world. Nothing I want wrong to create with the, that. There isn't anything nothing wrong, wrong with that. that. I want to. I want to experience the emotions in my life that I've I've touched on them before, but I want to have them on a regular basis. I know they're right here within me at any time. What would your just you know basic recommendation be to begin? Yeah, I think the first thing is to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you learn, you make new connections in your brain, and learning is making those connections. And uh, I was joking with my staff this week. I said nobody reads anymore. Nobody reads. Nobody reads anything. Mm-hmm. Learn information. Why? Because we found out 
that in our events, if you can be present and not look at your cell phone or not talk about your past, but be present with the content, and I can combine quantum physics with neuroscience, with uh, neuroendocrinology, with uh, psychoneuroimmunology, mind-body connection, mm-hmm. epigenetics, electromagnetism. You can really get it. Like, you can give yeah. me the nod. And then I say, mm-hmm. okay, you, i look at an audience of 1,500, 1,600 people. Okay, well, turn to the person next to you and teach it back to them. If you mm-hmm. can't explain that, mm-hmm. it's not wired in your brain, and you'll doubt mm-hmm. that it's possible, and you'll do something differently. Okay, mm-hmm. if you can explain it, then you're causing your brain to fire in new sequences and new patterns and new combinations. Whenever you make your brain work differently, you're changing your mind. Why? Because mind is the brain in action. So you keep reminding yourself of this. Now, this, it's easier to forget this than remember it. You know, it takes practice. It really, you can't get it in one bite. It's a learning process, right? So now you're installing the neurological hardware in your brain in preparation for the experience. So knowledge is the precursor to the experience, right? Without the knowledge and the information, it's conjecturous, right? So the more you understand the what in the terms of what you're doing and the why you're doing it, the application, the practical aspect, the how becomes exciting, like, oh, I'm going to get it. As an example, you can take someone and throw them in an ice bath. They have no knowledge of ice, but what that can do. And they, because they have no knowledge, the ice bath is actually going to, is going to cost them harm. Right. Right. You take that person, you can teach them mm-hmm. a few things mm-hmm. <laughs> and put them in an ice bath and actually be instrumental. They'll actually gain yeah. value from it. Crazy. Well, the prefrontal cortex, the one that said, now you got to make this, you got to make this valuable. Mm-hmm. You can take a person and you can, you can put them in an environment and they can perceive the environment as a problem and you can measure their autonomic response and it'll weaken their autonomic response. You can take that person and have them perceive it as a challenge and it'll actually strengthen their autonomic response. Okay, so now what's the, what's the, what, what's the reason behind this? Well, you gotta, you gotta put as much tension on your inner world of how you're thinking and how you're feeling and how you're gonna behave as much as your outer world of three-dimensional reality. And meditation is just a way to say, okay, let me get my brain and body right. I'm going to present Ed Milet to the world today. I got one lifetime, one Groundhog Day, one day. I just want something different, something unusual, something mystical, some sign from the universe that I created. And I wanted to come in a way that I would never think of. That would be the unknown because if I can predict it, it's the known. Okay. Let me, before I get up and grab my phone and do all my things and get plugged back into my known world, let me just say, okay, who do I no longer want to be? I want to become so conscious that I won't go unconscious again. The fundamental question is, how many times am I going to forget until I stop forgetting and start remembering? Oof. That is the moment. And there's nothing mystical about this. This is the work. Mm. <laughs> and then you're going to say, okay, who do I want to be when I open my eyes? Okay, let me think about this. How would greatness live? I don't know. Read a book on greatness. Read a book on Nelson Mandela. You want to be wealthy? Read about wealthy people. And you're going to see that they didn't just make their wealth. They lost a ton of money and failed a million, a million times. It was, and that's reality. Okay, well, let's. What, what, what were the qualities? They were, they, they had perseverance. They had determination. They, they cut their losses. They forgave. They forgot about it. They went on. Okay, so how am I going to behave? Let me rehearse how I'm going to behave. What I'm going to do? Let me take my time. I have, I have plenty of time to do this. Let me just behave. Let me think about how I'm going to behave differently in this situation. Mm-hmm. How am I going to change my emotional response? When did I fall from grace yesterday and went back to my old self? Let me just, I'll set, a, I'll set an alarm on my phone every three hours. I'm going to just going to go off and I'm going to take a moment and get back into the feelings of my future. Okay. If I can do that over and over again, 
well, what, what do you think could happen in my life as a result of it? So knowledge being the forerunner, the application, simple stuff, simple stuff. Practice heart coherence. There's plenty of stuff that we can, you know, we can talk about. Practice brain coherence. It's, we know, we know, I asked the brain scientists, what percentage of people at the end of a week-long event, uh, what percentage of people will have their brains changed for the better? They said 100%, 100%, one week fully immersed in, into mm. the experience. Mm. You practice it every day. Now, you can't do it once or twice and say, why isn't my bank account full? You know what I'm going to tell you? You're not that good. Yeah. That's the only reason why. Yeah, yeah. If you were that good, it would happen. Mm. You're not that good. So show up again mm. and show up again and keep showing up. And I just was talking to a staff member today. The universe only gives us what we think we're worthy of receiving, That's right. right? So then people who show up for themselves every day. I believe they're worthy. They, they, they start feeling pretty damn worthy. Yeah. Like, they, they're like, I'm worthy for this. Not like mm. an entitlement no. way. Like, they just like, mm. I'm, I'm really, I'm real. I feel like it's going to happen. I'm yeah. worthy for it. There's and, this intuitive knowledge about reciprocity. If I put something in that I should be getting something out. Right. If I do it repeatedly. Totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I have to tell you for a couple of things. One, I love you. Oh. And, um, everyone, I told you. This is one of these shows, you, you already know this, you're going to listen to this a few times, and you're going to want to share this with a bunch of people. You're also going to want to follow Joe. And where should they follow you, by the way? I shouldn't assume that everybody knows, although I think everybody knows, but why don't um, you tell them? Uh, well, we probably Instagram, okay. Facebook. Um, we have the website, drjoedispenza.com. You know, we have tons of resources for people to, to get started. We have a simple th uh, 13 or 12 uh, series little instructional thing called the formula. Mm -hmm. It's about brain and heart coherence with five meditations, a good, good starter for people, okay. you know, that kind of stuff. But, 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 but it's really, it's really about the knowledge and the application. You're so special, brother. You're so special and you know, I love you. And I'm really grateful you did this again today. Um, every single show has been so different and because you keep growing and your work keeps growing and the breakthroughs keep happening. I'm really honored that I get to share you with people, man. I'm really grateful you're in my life. So. Uh, thank you. Thank you. The simple formula is relaxed and awake. Okay. That's what brain and heart coherence is. Relaxed in your heart and awake in your brain, and I, I think you're that. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, by the way, everyone, make sure you get my book that's out right now or coming out. Pre-order it, The Power of One More. Go to thepowerofonemore.com or go to Amazon or go over there's books and get The Power of One More. Follow Joe. Share this show. That just rhymed. And... Listen to it again or watch it again. There's too much in here to just do it once. And that's the sign of an unbelievable show that I can just feel people right now going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And that's what Dr. Joe does. So thank you again, brother. Everybody, God bless you and continue to max out your life. This is The Ed Milet Show.